This episode of my podcast is sponsored by The Birthplace of Rock and Roll. Yes, Sun Records has come out with a new book, and it is titled The Birthplace of Rock and Roll. It chronicles Elvis Presley's early days, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, Jerry Lewis, B.B. King. It's just a great book. It chronicles nearly 70 years of rock and roll music. Sun Records has been there from the start. It chronicles the great night when the Million Dollar Quartet played. It chronicles all of Jerry Lewis's sessions before he moved on. Elvis Presley's early days. The Ford is written by the late Jerry Lewis. There are interviews with Jerry Lee up until his dying days. So this is just a great book to get. And I recommend you get it for $59.99. You could have over 220 pages of articles. You also have great photographs. It all around is a great book. And I'm a rock and roll nerd. You all know this. I've done episodes on Jerry Lewis. I've talked about Elvis Presley. This book taught me things I didn't know. And it goes into the history that we didn't know about. All the singers that Sun Records had. Because, you know, the main four get the attention. But Sun Records had a great number of artists that were with them from their start that we didn't know about that this book shines a light on. So again, I encourage you to get the Birthplace of Rock and Roll book for $59.99. If you would like more information, please visit sunrecords.com. They will answer all your questions. Again, I encourage you, if you want to learn more about rock and roll history, if you want a great book, if you want to see priceless photographs, if you want to hear what the late Jerry Lee Lewis said, again, this was the last book he ever was a part of. I encourage you to visit sunrecords.com and purchase the birthplace of rock and roll. Again, sunrecords.com, birthplace of rock and roll. And we thank them for being a sponsor. And now let's get on to the episode. Welcome everybody to this Mets News Podcast. And it's a beautiful, 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 beautiful day in the great state of New York Mets land. I don't know where that came from, but we're just going to run with it. As the New York Mets, the last time I spoke to you was last Tuesday, I believe, and the New York Mets, to be 100% honest with you, were at, it was bad. It was rock bottom. I don't want to sugarcoat it with you guys anymore. That was probably the most frustrated I've been as a Mets fan, the most frustrated I've seen the fan base. Again, I started covering the team in 2020, so... We've been through some pretty down years. Just give me a second here to readjust my mic. Thank you. We have been some been through some pretty bad years as the mic is now readjusting. Again, I thank everybody for dealing with that. But this year, I think just hurt a little more because there was expectations. And you know what? Expectations... When you don't meet them, it blows. The Everything stinks. You want everybody fired. I was on that trail. I didn't want people fired midseason. I wanted assistant coaches fired like Jeremy Hefner. And by the way, I like Jeremy Hefner. He's a great guy. And how the pitching's better, I don't. if this continues, I don't want anybody fired. But I was not in favor, if you remember. And we want to thank Ben Wasserman, Wasserman for doing that collab with us last week. As it saved me a little time. But if, if everyone remembers, I was not in favor of firing Billy Epler and Buck Showalter. Even though I, I still don't really like Billy Epler. Buck Showalter, the trust meter is going up a little more. And that's just because it just doesn't, it doesn't work. When you fire people 
over and over and over and over and over again. It makes the organization look bad. But that was last week. Starling Marte, to end that day, no, they lost that game 5-2. to two, And the following day, Starling Marte had one of the worst performances I've personally ever seen. And it, it just it made me question everything. It made me question, no joke, my like, how painful can a season get? Bases loaded twice. Starling Marte grounds into a double play one time and swings at three change-ups in the dirt and complete balls that, you know, I, I still envision that me, that that woman in the stands saying, don't swing, don't swing, and he swung because that reliever with the Milwaukee Brewers is just, was 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 not locating that day. So, We'll get to Starling Marte in a minute, but let's just get let's just start where the winning streak begins. Friday night, last Friday, was one of the worst games of the year. Uh, the Met defense this year has been a not a plus, and it's shocking because last year's Met defense it was so effing good. Like everything about last year's defense really was like you thought you thought the play was going to be made, you knew the play was going to be made, and that was it. But this year's team, the routine plays up until this winning streak, except Luis Guillorme last night, were not being made. It was just, it drove you nuts because you knew they could play better. So Alonso makes a terrible error. Robertson does a walk, and it's a three-run homer by the Giants catcher, and you're just, I had to get up for work at 4.45 the next day to go to work, and I was just pissed off. I remember thinking to myself, what am I doing? Why do I have to watch this team? Why am I so sick, so sick that I want to watch this team blow leads like that every night? And when you're 10 games below 500, Buck Showalter made the famous comments of, I would never count this team out. And everyone was thinking at the time, uh, yeah, right, Buck. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, this team's going to make an impassioned run. And look, we were all wrong. I will be the first one to say it. We were wrong. I was wrong. And, you know, this team, starting that Saturday where Ju- where Justin Verlander pitched a gutsy game and give- gave the team seven innings and the defense still wasn't good, the Sunday night game where you had Adam Adovino continuously trying to blow it, like he just comes in, has to get one out, decides, hey, I'm going to load the bases here. David Peterson not going out for a fifth inning, which made no sense, just like the Carlos Carrasco fiasco in Philly. But ever since the Friday night game, the New York Mets have slowly, slowly been turning it back around. And each game, you could see they're gaining more confidence. They're playing better defense. They're getting more timely hits. Arizona, they swept. And I was not expecting them to sweep in Arizona. I thought, you know, this was a nice, finally, the Mets win a series. They beat a giant team, which in my opinion, if I'm proven wrong, I'll go. I'll say it on the Ben and Ben show. I'll say it on my own, per- on this podcast, the Mets News Podcast right here. I'll say it when I do another collab with someone. If the San Francisco Giants make the playoffs, I'm wrong. But as of right now, I never really thought the San Francisco Giants were very good. I thought they were playing above the baseball card. Just like I thought, excuse me, the New York Mets were playing below the baseball card. But they take a series in the San Francisco Giants, and I'm thinking, okay, this is nice. This is really good. Like, if you continue this, then then we'll have to see what happens. But as of right now, I'm really, I'm pumped up. Let's, let's go. But it doesn't change the fact we still stink. We're still eight games below 500. 
Then they go to Arizona and they get a shocking sweep. And let me tell you, game one of this series, Max Scherzer tried to blow it. He tried his hardest to blow it. Drew Smith tried his hardest, but the Mets escaped with the victory by the skin of their teeth. Then we get to Wednesday night. Kodai Sanga, who was just named to the All-Star team, congratulations, Sanga. And boy, is it a disgrace that Francisco Lindor has not been named to the All-Star team. Disgrace, but anyway. Kodai Sanga pitches his best game as a man. I still think the Philly game was his best game, but I understand the argument that this was his best game. He worked eight innings, stuck, struck out 12, and made one mistake to the Diamondbacks. One mistake. And we all thought, because the Mets have been shut out eight times this season, that that one mistake was going to be the one that gets all this momentum swiped away. All of it. We all thought it. But then... Actually, I want to talk about the ninth. Starling Marte puts together a t- another terrible at-bat. It's like he has one good game on the fourth, and then he takes four steps back. I don't want to even say the old cliche, two steps back, one step forward. He takes four steps back this season. And I know he's coming off core surgery, and I, and I feel for him. But... Then McNeil comes up. First pitch out. And we're all thinking, they're going to go down four pitches very meekly in the ninth. The Mets are back. But then the 21-year-old Francisco Alvarez comes up and hits an absolute missile. Some would say that remember Mike Piazza, because I don't remember Mike Piazza. I started watching the year after. That's And I... My first year of watching the Mets consistently was in 2009. Pretty good year. But I remember 07, 08. I remember the collapses. I remember 2006. So I just missed Piazza. But Francisco Alvarez apparently hit a Piazza-like home run. And the Mets have tied the game. And I was I was downstairs. I was watching it on my... Uh, Dad's, you know, in the living room, you had the television. And I was like, I was half asleep. And then I hear Gary Cohen say, a high fly ball, deep left, deep right field. It's going. It's out of here. And I just went, huh? like that. That was literally my action. Because Gary Cohen's mic passed. So I went, huh? what? And then my dad said, who was sleeping upstairs, big Met fan. He was like, did the Mets just tie it? And I was like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. And then I was like, yeah, they just tied it. And I was like, well, Evan Roberts put out a tweet. Okay, great. We jumped out of our seats. I'm paraphrasing. But we're still expecting heartbreak. And boy, were we all wrong. We were, we were wrong. And I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm happy to, and I'm happy to say it. Because Brett Beatty puts together a base hit. And then Mark Canna, any other ballpark, that's a two-run homer. But it's just out because it's Arizona and they have those funky little um, dimensions. And the Mets take the lead. And David Robertson comes in. He gets We get the lucky shot off his hip or whatever it was, his hip. Could be wrong off that leg. 
he's fine. He pitched last night, and the Mets win it. And let's be honest, we were all shocked. And then the following night, Carlos Carrasco could have had a complete game. He went eight innings. I think it's his first time in his Mets career he went eight innings. And let me tell you, everyone was in shock. Francisco Alvarez has hit, what is it, four home runs in his past five games. He's had a, he had a four-hit night last night, getting to last night's game where, the, where Justin Verlander did not have it. Let's be. Let, let's just call. I'm gonna call it as I see it. Justin Verlander did not have it. He was terrible. He had no idea where the ball was going. And the next thing you know, and, and you know this is the truth. We're all thinking, all right, he's gonna kill the momentum. This is a must-win series because something the New York Mets have been able to do, except with the um, Brewers, was get those tiebreakers. And everyone's probably saying the tiebreakers don't matter right now. You don't even have 500. But they do matter because once you get to 500, that lead with the Giants, it might be five and a half games, but it's really, it's four and a half because as soon as you tie with them, you jump above them. So you're, we're thinking with the Giants, oh, that's huge. You're thinking with the Diamondbacks, let's just say we have it. Because if we're going to say we don't have the tiebreaker against the Cubs, which I completely get, then you got to give me the tiebreaker with the Diamondbacks because you only have to win one more game. And I think the Mets could do that. But this series with the Padres, you need to find a way to win one of the... Like, I know it, it is, it's preaching to the choir at this point. It is preaching to the choir. But you need to find a way to get one of the next two games. Because once you take that season series... And I'm going to snap my fingers again here. Once you take that season series, you automatically basically have a two-game lead. And I know what you're saying. What do you mean a two-game lead? If you tie with the person, you have a one-game lead. So if you have a one-game lead, you have a two-game lead. You can just add on a game with this tiebreaker. So taking this series against the Padres, again, I think think the Mets could sweep this series. I, I put out on Twitter today, and you can follow the Twitter at MetsNews5. I think the New York Mets were going to sweep the San Diego Padres. Now, I could look foolish, and the Mets could lose the next two out of three, and basically all the work the New York Mets have done here, it goes to the wayside, and it doesn't matter, because if you lose two out of three, this road trip was a complete failure, because you went four and two, and yeah, you, you gained some ground, but you didn't really gain ground, because, you know, everything's out in front of you tonight. You win tonight, you gain a game on the fills. Just like you gained the game on the Marlins. And I think the Marlins are the much easier team to, to gain ground on. I, I do. You win tonight, you, game, you gain a game on the Brewers. And it's reversal with the Brewers that you have right now with the Giants. It's a reversal. So what I'm trying to say is winning this series is huge. Not only because you only have a one-loss road trip. But you'd have the tiebreaker, and that's another team you have the tiebreaker against. And the Mets this year, let's just be honest, the NL Central this year has been terrible. I mean, the Reds have been great, and I know uh, podcast contributor, I'll give them a contributing factor, Coach Weber is happy right now because his Padres are going to make the postseason. But out, not Padres, uh, Reds, excuse me, Reds are going to make the postseason. But outside of that, everyone in that division stinks. The Cubs are going to be sellers. The Brewers just lost a terrible game, and that 
Dilla Cruz guy, just going back to the Reds, is a beast. Really good player. But the NL Central stinks. The NL West is very good this year. And guess what? The Mets won the season series, won the first series, excuse me, against the Padres, swept the D-backs, won the season series against the Giants, and won or could, could tonight or tomorrow, win the season series against the San Diego Padres. Now, that's going to be very hard to do. I know the Padres have been underachieving this year, but that lineup is stacked. And I thought last night, if we really want to go in-depth, First off, what's that um, Hassan Kim doing? I mean, what are you doing? Trying to take third base there. Makes no sense. But besides that, Adam Adovino almost gave up a home run last night to Gary Sanchez. This lineup is what I'm trying to get at. It's very scary. has a lot of power. And I, I, honestly, I don't know how to. I think tomorrow is your best chance to get the series win, go into the All-Star break, four games. You're four right now, right? Yeah, four games below 500. But if you somehow sweep and you go in two games below 500, boy, that would be a lot of ground made up. Because the Phillies lost tonight. You could be five and a half back. Giants won. I'm just reading, I'm thinking of the scores right now. The, the Brewers, as we talked about, lost today. So you could gain a lot of ground tonight, but you have to forget tonight because Blake Snow is pitching and we very well could lose. And I can I respect that. But... If you find a way to win the season series this weekend, huge. Because that basically eliminates the Padres. Unless they get extremely scorching hot, which I doubt. They have to go on a Mets run. And the Padres, funny enough, going from last night, were kind of... The Mets and Padres are eerily similar. I'm going to steal something from Gary Cohen. These guys, these teams, excuse me, they come in and they're like, Whatever you can do, I can do better. They had the same record. They were both close to being 10 games below 500. They both just, just swept the teams, and boy, how the Angels have fallen. And who knows? Maybe the Mets are going to be buyers. If the Mets are going to be buyers at the deadline, because I told my dad this if you go in to the All Star break five and a half games back of the last wild card spot, or four and a half, which is a lot of work. you're no longer going to be, at least at the All-Star break, when I do my next podcast, I'm not going to be saying to be sellers, but I'm definitely thinking of a bullpen piece to add. I am. Now, can it happen? Yeah, the Mets could win eight in a row and they could shock us because I said the Mets had to win eight to nine in a row. To get me to believe, start believing again. And the Mets are two games away from that. They've won six. And they've done it. I don't want to hear that the Mets have done this against crappy competition. Because they haven't. I just listed the series off to you. And they did it. Francisco Alvarez was in a cold slump when this started. Same with Lindor who should be an all-star. Nemo should also be an all-star too. But they've done it without their all-star. Pete Alonso. If Pete and Jeff. Jeff hopefully can build off the hit he had last night. But if those guys, those guys can get it going, I think the Mets will be fine. They need more consistency also from Justin Verlander, and they need the bullpen to continue to do this. Kodai Sanga was named the All-Star game. He deserves it. But the only way the Mets are going to continue this surge, and listen, the Mets are going to lose again. I hope they don't lose 
till after the till after the All Star break. But chances are they're gonna lose tonight or lose tomorrow. It's fine. It is what it is. But you cannot lose the last two. You have to find a way to steal it. Everyone should be available tomorrow. They're gonna basically have a week off for five days, whatever it is. Unless your name is Pete, and I hope Sanga doesn't pitch in the All Star game. But if you go into the All-Star game, All-Star break, excuse me, five and a half back of the last spot, you're buyers. But you have to find a way tonight to steal, steal, or tomorrow. And this is what I was talking about, Scherzer. And I'm just going to round my points together like a good PowerPoint to end this podcast. Because 20 minutes of me talking is a lot, and I'll be the first one to say it. Verlander pitched not good last night. I don't. He pitched okay, C minus for what he's getting paid. C minus, in my opinion. He's been terrible this season for what for most of the year. He's had a couple of good starts. I can name them: the Guardians, the Blue Jays, not the Blue, the Blue Jays. He battled the Giants. That's it. But the other guy, the co-ace, Max Scherzer, has been. Right there. He's blown so many leads. He blew the Subway Series lead. I can go Braves on and on and on. The only way the Mets are going to make this a postseason run, continue this hot streak, possibly, let's say they make it, knock on whatever I just knocked on. The only way the New York Mets are going to make any type of run, including the bullpen, which I think they would add a piece if they were buyers, and then that's it. I don't think they're adding a bat is by the two co-aces figuring it out. Because Kodai Senga, for the most part, has been already, he's been everything I expected. I never said Kodai Senga was a bust. I want you to find the tape. I know some people are going to come at me on Instagram, underscore Mets, underscore News, saying I said that Kodai Senga was a bust. I never said that. I said his grade is inconclusive because I, I, he needs more time. He's been fine. One of the few Billy Epler signings that I like. And by the way, I was all in favor of Marte and Scherzer. You will not, you will never hear me rip Billy Epler on those signings because I would have done them. But the only way the Mets are going to go anywhere is if the two aces figure it out and go deep into games. Seven or six innings. Consistently. But overall, I'm happy. I'm happy that the New York Mets have put it together and at least have given me something to talk about. Because these podcasts would have been brutal. I hated doing the Mets are out of podcast in 2020. So I couldn't imagine having to do these for 70-something games. But as of right now, I don't. And as of right now, Max Scherzer's not going to leave along with Verlander. If this continues. It's easy to fall back. The Mets dig, dig themselves a great big hole. But right now, they kind of got like one foot out of it. This has been an edition of the Mets News Podcast. I will talk to you all soon. Stay safe.